All right, take your Bibles if you would and let's go to the book of Genesis once again. We're going to be trying to finish, um, kind of took uh, this sermon on mercy and with our uh, somewhat limited time on on Sunday nights as compared to Sunday mornings, if turned it into a series. Oh, we have a stray one. Okay, all the girls went down to the teen meeting, and little Joey's trying to figure out his position in life. Amen. Okay. All right, let's turn to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. And just want to review uh, just a little bit. Two weeks ago, uh, we started on the subject of mercy. Uh, in the Bible, and of course, the greatest example of God's mercy is salvation. The place where our sins were paid for by Jesus Christ is the mercy seat. It is the blood-sprinkled mercy seat in heaven that where we can find forgiveness of sin. But unless you're willing to accept what Jesus has done, even though he's paid the price for every sin that has ever been sinned, unless you accept it, it will not make a difference in your life. And that's what mercy does. We receive it, but it changes us. The greatest illustration, I mean, the, the working definition of mercy is what is given to the vanquished by the victor. There must be a battle. There must be a defeat before the defeated can receive mercy. And so that's what happens when we get saved. And last week we looked at mercy in a time of temptation. How that Abraham prayed, God sent the angels into the city of, of Sodom just before it was destroyed and they literally drug Lot and his family out of the city of Sodom. We go to the book of Second Peter and it tells us that God delivered just Lot, that God knows how to deliver the ungodly out of temptation, and uh, there's, there's an awful lot for us to learn there and to understand God does not want his people to sin. And most of the time, the reason why we do is because we put ourselves outside of God's will. We allow ourselves to be where we don't belong, and if we'll just let God do his work, it says that he'll make a way 1 Corinthians 10.13, He'll not suffer us to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now we come to Genesis chapter 24. And Abraham had an incredibly important decision. The most important decision in Abraham's life was this morning's message. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now he was to make that sure for the next generation. He had to find a wife for his son Isaac. And of course, uh, for those that don't know, this is uh, actually one of the first sermons that I ever uh, uh, wrote and uh, have revisited this and as I was putting this sermon together, I was seeking for a wife. And I thought I knew who that person was. And it actually turned out I was right. Amen. 
And the first time she ever heard me preach, she heard me preach this sermon in Falmouth, Kentucky. And uh, I'm sure it's actually pronounced Falmouth, but uh, it's spelled Falmouth. And uh, so we come here to chapter 24. And it says that Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Preadventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me into, unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. And so Abraham had charged his servant to find a wife for Isaac. A pretty serious decision. Amen. And... I'll tell you, we want God to guide our decision-making process. Is that not true? I, I mean, we want God to help us make decisions. And just as God's mercy is there in salvation, God's mercy is there to deliver you in temptation, God's mercy is there to give you direction that you need. Number one thing we have to understand here. God never contradicts his word. He had already told Abraham, I want you to leave your land and I want you to go to the land of Canaan. And so the servant brought up the question, what happens if they don't let this person come with me, this woman come with me? Do I take Isaac back to where you came from? And he said, no, we're not going to contradict God's word. God has said that he would give me a son when nobody believed that I could have a son. Amen? He said, God said that that son would have a family and that my seed after me, my family heritage, my, uh, the children that would be born would eventually be like the numbers of the stars in the sky. He said, I believe God. And so therefore, Isaac has to have a wife. Uh, somebody said, well, you don't have to be married to have children. Well, you do if you're going to do it the Bible way. Amen. Amen. And so Abraham sent his servant back to uh, the land that Abraham came from. And, you know, we, we make journeys all the time. I mean, I've driven, I can't tell you how many times in these past few years serving with Heartland, driving back and forth between Oklahoma City, 1,500 miles each way. I'm glad I can get in the van and drive. When I get tired, find a hotel room. Uh, that's not the way Abraham's servant traveled. How many of you have seen pictures of those guys racing off through the desert, riding camels, and that's only in the movies. The camels carried the supplies so that you could live long enough to get to the next supply base. How'd you like to walk 500 miles? 
Uh, I mean, that's basically what Abraham did. I mean, Abraham's servant and those that were with him. And guess what? If Rebekah was going to get back, uh, it says here that she had the privilege of riding on one of those animals, but most of the people walked. This was a long and arduous process. This didn't just happen overnight or in a few days. They would have been traveling for weeks. And uh, I remember one time punching into the GPS on my phone and, and uh, well, it was the trip to Montreal and I'd hit the wrong button and it, it told me that uh, I would make it in just under five days, four hours, four days and 23 hours. And I was trying to figure out why is it going to, and then I looked and it ha- I had pressed the walk icon. I don't think I could walk 300 miles in four days, in 23 hours. Uh, I I don't think I could walk 300 miles, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, But Abraham's servant had to travel all that distance. And he had to know that it was God's will. Now let's skip down here through verse 26 of the same chapter, Genesis 24. And um, actually, um, we could read over the whole thing, but in verse 15, uh, we, uh, well, excuse me, I'm sorry. And uh, verse 10, actually, the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. So, number one, the servant had to know where he was going. He traveled from modern day Israel, the land of Canaan, all the way up and around and down into the Tigris Valley all the way down to the area of modern-day Baghdad or in modern-day Iraq. That was the trip that he made. Um, Was he going to find a wife of his master's family if he didn't make the trip first? No. He had to make the trip. We get there and he prayed a strange prayer and somebody said it would be so easy if this would happen today. He said, the, the woman that's the one, let her, when I ask her for a drink of water, let her volunteer to give me a drink of water and to water the camels as well. Now, I don't know that much about camels, but those who claim they do say that camels have an incredible uh, ability to drink. They store water and and uh, somebody said they store water in their humps. No, actually they store fat there uh, that they use as energy when they cannot have uh, regular means. But the, the camels are known for drinking huge amounts of water and this young lady would have to go down and back and forth and back and forth And so here we have uh, him asking God to do this. It's a little easier today because we have the complete Bible. Amen. 
You say, why did God give him the sign? Well, it was very simple. He did not have the Word of God. If I want to map something up today, all I got to do is get out my Bible. You say, well, how did you know it was God's will for you to marry your wife? Well, I got out my Bible. I could serve God more married to her than I could by myself. It was just that simple. I'd met other uh, young ladies along the way, and it was like, well, they disagree about this, and they disagree about this, and boy, we're going to have to sort out these kind of things. When it came to dating my wife, there wasn't anything to argue about. It was, we already agree with what the Bible teaches. And that's how you can know that it's God's will. How did we know it was God's will to buy this building? Well, it was very simple. There wasn't a list of 25 properties that we could look at in Astoria that would house our church. Uh, there was only one property on the list. Uh, because if you know anything about this area, look up and down the street. Almost every lot is building. And those that aren't uh, are unbelievably expensive. In fact, there was a piece of property way up 23rd Avenue. It was... 120 by 200. It sold for over a million and a half dollars for, and then you had to go onto the property and tear down everything that was on it so you could start building again. Uh, the Lord gave us this property for only 763,000. I mean, you can't hardly buy a garage in Astoria for that today. Uh, it's amazing what God has done. It's not like we had a lot of options. This servant only had one city to go to. It was Nahor City. He asked God to help him understand by allowing this. And the Bible says that no sooner had he finished speaking, verse 15, and it came to pass before he had done speaking that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher, upon her shoulder, and it describes her there that she was pure and that she was beautiful. And, you know, I've had people ask strange questions over the years and said, you know, when, when God has me, uh, uh, if, if I accept God's will, is my wife going to be ugly? And we always snicker about that, but... Let me tell you, there's not a single person in here that hadn't thought that at one point in their life. And you know why? It's because you're not trusting God. God's got better taste than you do. Trust me. God will figure this thing out if you will just let him. And that's not the only decision in your life. The job you work, the things you do, Everything about your life, every decision is important. And if you will allow God in His mercy to guide you in your decision-making process, you will be the beneficiary. And we'll get on to that in just a minute. Let's go through the rest of this. He hadn't even finished praying 
when Rebekah comes, he asks her in verse 17, Can I drink a little water of thy pitcher? In verse 18, she gives him a drink. Verse 19, she says, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Now look at verse 21. This is where a lot of people miss God's mercy in their life. And the man wondering at her held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a gold earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold. And then he asked her who she is. Do you realize he had to wait until the camels finished drinking too? He didn't say a word if she had stopped pouring water before the camels had finished drinking He had in his mind that this would not have been God's will. Because this is what she had said in her words. And he had asked that she would water the camels. She said, I'm going to keep watering the camels until they finish drinking. So he waited until her word was complete. Sometimes we jump the gun a little bit now, don't we? We want to get hurried through this thing. Ah, and this man would have been absolutely right if he would have said, See, God has made my journey prosperous. You don't have to... No, he waited. You will learn so much by just waiting on the Word of God. Amen? And so we come here all the way down. Verse 26, I love the wording here. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Here's the key. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in an emergency situation needing God's direction. Maybe you've ever been there. You know why we're in an emergency? It may be we need to just stop and go back and make sure we're in the way. The simplest way to explain it is if you're in God's will today, and you stay surrendered to Him, chances are you'll be in God's will tomorrow. You say, that's not complicated. And, and I'm not trying to be smart aleck in any way. I want you to understand that the problem is we're not careful about what we're doing today because we're expending expectation on what is going to happen tomorrow. And because we're not careful on what is going on today, we lose the confidence of knowing that we are in the way today and we'll find ourselves out of the way tomorrow. 
and we'll find ourselves in great difficulties. If we're going to accept God's mercy in the hour of decision, we're going to have to maintain our path in the way today and tomorrow. And we will see God make decisions for us. Amen? Let's go to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, this is just a beautiful little set of verses. And if you have not memorized these, put them on your list. You say, Pastor, every time you say something, you say, memorize these verses. You want me to memorize the whole Bible. It wouldn't hurt. Uh, But uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And as soon as I quote them or read them here, you will, oh, I know those verses. And um, it says, trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 7, I should add that as well. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. How many times when we need to make a decision... Do we just get out our little calculators, we get out our little mind, and we say, now God gave us a mind to understand what's going on. Right here it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Yes, God did give you a mind, but he gave you that mind to read and understand his word. That's what it means to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Find out what the Bible says. I'll I'll tell you, I, I do not make any claims. We have started the process of raising the children that God has given us and we're praising the Lord for Uh, What has happened, but the way my father-in-law puts it, and I'm tending to agree with him, you can't know that your kids turned out until your grandkids turn out. He said, this thing of raising your children is something that you have to do all your life. We make decisions on what we're doing with our children. We're far enough along that we can see some of the things that have happened in some of our lives. I've used the example of Peter calling me up after his first year in college and said, Dad, thanks for being so mean to me. Uh, That did not always feel good to have to uh, do that. But I'll tell you what, it is a joy thinking that Peter will come back and work here and, and Lord willing in the next several years start a church in God's time over in Manhattan That is an incredible thought. But it didn't start when we shipped them out to Bible college. It started when we brought them home from the hospital. That's what being in the way the Lord led me means. It's something that's got to be done each and every day. Not one of us is going to walk in that path perfectly and never step out of it. That's why you have to be walking with the Lord on a daily basis. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. 
Tell you what, I did not read James Dobson's books to know how to raise my children because I don't want human understanding. I want what the Bible says. I, I did not buy all of these manuals and, you know, parenting today and... Is that even the name of a magazine? There's something parenting or something, and you got Queen's Parent. I don't know what a Queen's Parent would be different than a Bronx Parent or... I'm, I'm sorry. This stuff just gets to me a little bit. What I want to be is I want to be a parent that's making decisions based upon this book. Day in and day out. I want my kids to know something. They will know that I'm not perfect because they live with me. I won't have to teach them that. I won't have to sit down and say, well, you know that dad is not always right. They know dad's not always right. But what they need to know is that dad has his heart in this book. And they'll put theirs there. That's being in the way. And by the way, that's the reason I'm a preacher today. My dad was a machinist. He worked for Black & Decker. But I'll tell you what, my dad's heart was at church. It was in serving the Lord. And that's where I wanted my heart to be. And that's where I want my children's hearts to be. And these decisions that we make each and every day, it is not a burden to serve the Lord. It is the greatest thing in the world to be obedient to God. Yes, you must work some, you know, I, I think I have the most wonderful job in the world. I get to work for the church. But... If I had to work secular employment and I've had to work in the world before, let me tell you, there was one reason why I worked. It was so that I could pay my bills so I could serve the Lord. And that's the way it ought to be in the life of everyone here. We put that direction in our lives. And we're going to see God's mercy moving us in the pathway that he would have us to walk. It comes time to educate our children. It comes time to make these decisions. I tell you, it's not hard for me to pick a Bible college or recommend a Bible college. I get my Bible out. And you know what? I found out something. Don't tell my kids. Heartland's not perfect college. Was it, Carolina? But let me tell you something. It's a place that agrees with the Bible. It's a place where you're going to get taught by men who have given their lives to serve God. I tried to deal with this with Peter. It took him a while to get a hold of it. I said, son, I said, I'm not sending you to Heartland for academics. If there's anything you don't need, it's academics. What you need is to be influenced by men of God who have lived their lives serving the Lord. And that is what they're getting there. And that's why I recommend Heartland. Now, if you're studying to be a doctor or a police officer or construction, I don't recommend Heartland. That's not the kind of school there. But if you're studying for the ministry, 
I, I, that's the school I recommend. It's far better if you're studying some of those other things to attend a local college here and stay right in your local church with your people, with the Bible, and continue serving God. It's just how simple it is. You see, it's not until you give up your ability and your thought processes to make your own decisions and surrender to God and His Word that God gives you His direction in the decision-making process. Amen? Amen? And all of us here are old enough and have seen, with the exception of the little children, have seen and understood what happens when we make wrong decisions, have we not? You know, making a wrong decision in life is like driving in New York City. You can get off at the exit, but that doesn't mean you're getting back on. In fact, it may be quite a while. Has anybody ever tried the service road on the Cross Bronx Expressway? I mean, you're going to be halfway across uh, the Bronx before you can find another entrance to get back on, and chances are it's going to be heading the other direction. Uh, it's important to surrender your will today so that you can be in the way tomorrow and take advantage. And if you've stepped out of the way, there is no place to get back in the way like right where you are. Don't wait. The farther you go, the farther away from the truth you're going to get. Start where you are and just walk with the Lord. Let Him make your decisions for you. That's what this is talking about. If you're going to get saved, you have to let God save you. If you're going to be delivered from temptation, it's not going to be because you have such a strong will and you can fight the devil. It's going to be because you surrender to the Lord and let Him give you the victory. If you're going to make decisions, you're going to have to stop thinking about what makes most sense to you and let God give you His direction. Let's look at one more. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 14. And we'll finish the message tonight. Hebrews chapter 14, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. There is no Hebrews 14, excuse me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. The last point I want to make in this study on mercy is there's going to be a time of need in your life. If it's not here today, I got good news. It's coming. Amen. 
uh, you are going to have a time, and the idea of need is something is going to come up that there is absolutely no way for you to supply. That's what the word need is. We say, I need, you know, a drink of water, but we can just go get it. The idea of, being need, of, of having a need is that something we cannot supply. We have to go somewhere to someone that has the ability to supply that need. And, of course, the Bible tells us there's only one place to go. That is the throne of God, also known as the mercy seat. It says that we can come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. It behooves us. That's a good Bible word that we do not use very often anymore. It is the best thing that we can do. It is the action that must be taken is when we find a need in our life. Stop trying to figure out how we're going to supply that need and go to God first. How many of you have prayed and fasted and prayed and prayed and prayed about something you thought you had to have only for God to say no? And then a little later you went, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. Has anybody ever been there? I see some heads going, okay, yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one. The Bible in the book of Romans tells us that we do not know how to pray as we ought. We need the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf. We cannot change other people's hearts. Many times we cannot change our own heart. But God can. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 6. And I want to put these verses together because I believe that they ought to be. Let's look just at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Now what's that last phrase there? If we Faint not. You know when most people drop out of college? It's two weeks before graduation. Does that make any sense? I can't tell you how many people I've met over the years that would say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I have all the school done for, and they would tell me for... Uh, I've, for some reason, I've met several people that are public accountants. They're just not certified public accountants. They've taken all the classes, but when it came time to take that great big test that you have to take, just didn't happen. I, I've met people that say, well, I've been to college and I have all my uh, paperwork and everything to be a teacher, but I've just never taken that certification test. Uh, I've known others that have finished nursing school, but you got to take that registry exam. You know what? Why would we quit? 
when we are so close to the finish line. Can I tell you, that is human nature at its best. As we get to the point to where we can see the finish line, and that's when we relax, and that's when we fail. That's why you cannot lean to your own understanding. That's why you must come to the throne of mercy in the time of need. That's why you cannot allow yourself to become weary in well-doing. If it hasn't happened, uh, we often say this tongue-in-cheek, and I hope John doesn't mind, he's been attending our church longer than any other person that's a member of our church. And I always like to add, and that's because he's never heard me preach. Yes, he still, he still laughs at my joke. But there'll come a time when coming to church gets weary. You keep doing what's right because it's right to do. If you get tired of hearing me preach, why don't you pray that God gives you a better preacher? Amen? I'm, I need room for improvement, but let me tell you, uh, you keep praying for your pastor, and I'll keep improving. I pity those people that had to listen to me years and years ago. Uh, I feel sorry for the people that listen to me today, except for the fact that I do preach the greatest book in the world. I preach God's truth, and we're going to keep right at it, and oftentimes I wish it could make it more exciting than I'm able to, but there's nothing more exciting than waking up today and knowing I'm doing what God wants me to do today. That is the greatest knowledge in the world. Let God lead you in His mercy. But you can't get God's mercy until you understand and admit your own defeat. Then you can come to the Savior and say, my way didn't work. And it won't work. And I surrender. Now give me instruction that I may be reconciled with my new master. That's what happens at the end of a war. Isn't it? That's what happens when we finish warring with ourselves and with the Lord. In the time of salvation, we surrender and His mercy saves us. Amen. In the time of temptation, we surrender and His mercy delivers us. In the time of decision, I being in the way, by the way, if you're not in the way, the Lord's not going to lead you. That's just the way it works. I being in the way, that is God's mercy. He'll give you the answer in His way, in His time. There's going to come a time when you're going to have a need, something you cannot supply. You come to the throne of grace and you just keep doing what's right. Don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap in due season if you faint not. This is what God's word says and his mercy is there every day for us. And what do we say? Let's serve God in His mercy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You and 
We thank you for your mercy that is there for every part of our life. We ask you to do your work. We ask that we would surrender to that mercy and be led by your hand. We ask that you would take this time of invitation and prepare our hearts for the prayer time to follow. In Jesus' name we pray and we'll just give opportunity. If you'd like to slip out of your seat and spend some time at the altar, you may. If you want to just pray at your seat and then we'll get into our regular prayer time.